This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by one of our favorite guests. We get a chance to visit with Dr. Umbreen Nehal. We're going to talk to Dr. Nehal about vaccine hesitancy, about boosters, about how do we get more people vaccinated and so forth. Dr. Nehal, I'll just quickly set up the question. About 51%, 52% of people in the country have been vaccinated fully. 70% have had at least one shot. Of those that are age eligible, eligible meaning over 12, you know, stats over about 62% have been fully vaccinated. Um, what are you seeing in vaccine hesitancy? And, you know, and, and what's some of your sense of what's happening out there? Yeah, thank you for the question. I'm really pleased to be on. Uh, you know, I, I would love for us not to even have this conversation, for us to already be there. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're working with the, uh, the situation as best we can. And just to give a little bit of context, I am a board-certified pediatrician. I've worked for the state of Massachusetts. I'm on monthly calls with HHS through a faith and community-based organization as a community stakeholder. So I come at this from a few different angles. I'm also actually a graduate of the Ahan University in Karachi, Pakistan, even though I've been practicing for the last 15, 20 years in the U.S. So I'm also getting a global health perspective from people all over the world. So I do want to just uh, clarify that while there is a lot of you know, healthy skepticism of government, and I think you should always question everything, uh, there's, uh, there is global worldwide acceptance that the vaccine is a good thing and it prevents death, disability, serious illness. Uh, and I think that message sometimes gets lost because of people's perceptions around specific sources of distrust. And I think when to answer your question about, you know, vaccine hesitancy, you know, they say all politics is local, all health is local as well. So, for instance, you know, whether or not somebody gets a certain illness does actually have to do with their zip code. The same is actually true about health beliefs. So if you're a small business owner who gets harassed by government because of, you know, some ridiculous, you know, regulation, you distrust government because of that. And, and now the government's offering you a vaccine, you're like, mm, I don't know if I really agree with that. Um, and you're kind of a show me type of person. Uh, you're, you know, more focused on your personal responsibility. I take good care of my health. Therefore, I don't need this stuff. I'm too strong. That is the mindset of that of that person, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, it's a really admirable mindset. But when it comes to vaccination, and then that doesn't work. And I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. Uh, there's another type of person. Um, you know, we've our last conversation had been around minority health and barriers and things like that. Historically, yes, there has been good reasons, and even currently, why minorities do not trust government in terms of ethical issues regarding uh, the way studies have been conducted, a number of things. So then th that distrust is different. What I'm seeing there, what works is that, you know, if you work through a church group, through an Islamic group, through a, a Jewish group, and you have a trusted community leader communicate that, hey, I trust this, you should trust it, that actually starts to make a difference. Um, there's also actually a large number of women, particularly of who are who are more religious and uh, of different denominations, not calling out a specific one, who have been wrongly told that it somehow affects fertility, which it does not. 
And the really unfortunate thing with that group is that's often the group that are CNAs, nurses, frontline providers, clinicians. So I'm very concerned about what that does for people who are in working in nursing homes from different perspectives, from the perspective of do, you know, are they bringing un unwittingly, not, I'm not blaming anybody, unwittingly bringing in a risk to their patients? And as we have vaccine mandates, are their jobs at risk because of somebody providing them misinformation? So I'll pause there, but th those are some high level observations. No, thank you very, very much. I'll, I'll take you to another. We've seen some tick up in, in vaccines based on the most recent outbreaks, and, and some of the stats are overwhelming, that the less vaccinated, the more lucky you end up in an ICU. Correct. Is that certain vaccines, that certain vaccines already, is it already over? We've we already gotten the jump out of that from the certain people have had, or is there, and in the rest of this is really a ground game of blocking and tackling to get more people vaccinated. What's your sense of that? Yes, I think that I think to answer that question, we really kind of need to zoom out as to why do vaccines exist in the first place and why do we, you know, why don't we have a vaccine for certain things and why do we have vaccine for other things? So, and, you know, unfortunately, this is a moving target, right? So the reason why we have a vaccine for COVID-19, we look at a few different things. We look at the case fatality rate, and some people will be naysayers like, well, the actual percentage is relatively small. Well, but if everybody in the population gets exposed to it, that's a high number. So in the United States, we've had over 630,000 deaths, right? And death does not then think about sort of the number, the people who end up in the ICU and then have their lungs damaged by both the virus and the ventilator and long-term disability or long COVID. So yes, to your answer your question, it is true that those who have been vaccinated are they we are seeing success on the outcomes and parameters for which the vaccine was developed, which is to prevent death, prevent serious infection, prevent disability. What uh, it is not preventing is 100% you don't get the virus ever again. And so some of the naysayers are like, see, it's not effective. No, that's not true. It is effective for what it was intended for. Um, and so we need to reduce the prevalence in the population. So yes, we need to get more people vaccinated. We, there are um, boosters now recommended for those who are you know, compromised. So but, we need but talk to about uh, yeah. Talk about boosters for a second, because we, we, your point is well taken. I mean, yeah, some of the naysayers say like, oh, see, they got vaccinated, they're still in the hospital. And, and again, like the flu vaccine, like any vaccine, well, some vaccines actually are 100% vaccines. These vaccines seem to be more, a little bit more like the flu vaccine, a little bit more like it's going to reduce the severity, not necessarily stop yeah. you from getting it. The, the other thing that Correct. you're hearing is that for people that are older, 70, 80 plus, that the efficacy, the usefulness of the vaccine, you know, start to drop pretty sharply after four or five, six months. And, and for all of us, I think all of us, you know, I'm right. six and a half, seven months in, I'm ready for a booster, quite frankly. What is, what is your sense of like, I mean, we're all going to need boosters until they get this figured out. You know, I mean, I take it to the end of the day, they're injecting antibodies in our body. The first couple of times they did this as they're learning about these vaccines for COVID, 
they didn't want to overdo it because they don't want too many people getting deathly ill from the vaccine. So the, the vaccines were not. Well, I would you know, pause. I would pause there. I, there actually are very few people getting deathly ill from the vaccine, but uh, but yeah. everything else I would agree with. No, 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 no. I would say that no, no, no. I did not say people are getting deathly ill. What I said is that oh, the vaccines were done in such a low dose that almost nobody got deathly ill. Almost nobody Correct. of anybody Correct. got deathly Thank ill. You. Thank you that, for that clarifying purposely, that. Purposely, yeah. no, 100%. In starting a new vaccine program, it would have been insane to go too strong or too big on the dosage so that you didn't have bad side effects. So the concept that we all need boosters five, seven, eight months afterwards, to me, is completely natural. And hopefully as they get better at this and clarify, maybe we can do a little bit bigger dosage, maybe we can't, we'll be in a spot where we don't need boosters so often. No, I did not say people are getting deathly ill from the vaccine. What I I said was that the the dosages on the first couple shots are probably relatively low because it's a new and evolving science, at least on on this virus. And so people didn't want to overhit us and then right. people getting very sick and bad outcomes. And so, but, but think of it in terms of like five, six, seven, eight months, it's your sense. We're going to be doing boosters for, you know, like we do the flu shot every year. We're going to be doing boosters for at least the foreseeable future, aren't we? So, I mean, you may have seen the news this week that there was, you know, some disagreement on this issue at the FDA and there was a little bit of turnover. So I, I, I would say currently the booster is uh, available and recommended for those who have low immunity. Uh, the exact timing of uh, boosters for the rest of us will be um, is to be determined. However, yes, to exactly to your point, we do know that both with natural and with uh, with the vaccine, there is waning immunity, and the number of months exactly is a little bit unclear. Um, but definitely not past a year uh, does immunity last, and and that was expected. That was that's not new news. Um, I but keeping and so again, this is where folks um, don't necessarily take into account what the baseline is. People are like, well, if the immunity wanes with the vaccine, why even take it? Well, the reason why. And, and yeah. you and I agree that that's that's a the the people. That I guess you have to take that seriously, but it's such a ridiculous. When I hear the naysayers, I've got some, you know, um, on on the extreme, some very strong anti-vax commenters that are um, say exactly that. But but you and I know that's insanity, isn't it? This concept that well, why would I take a vaccine if the if if the usefulness of it wanes over time? I mean, that's an insane. I mean, I, I guess you could respond to that, but it's such an insane comment. But I guess you have to respond to it anyways. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I will acknowledge that I have started to to be like you. I I don't respond to that because what I found is that, I mean, it's interesting. I'm in I'm in business school right now, and they talk about sort of like if people are in sales, right? There's a good customer who you can make a value proposition to, and they want an outcome, and it's just finding the right explanation that makes sense to them. And then there are bad customers who are just, no matter what you say, they're like, not this, not this quarter, not, 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 and you're, they're just never going to purchase it. The problem that we have is that with public health, 
is that, you know, human beings are going to exist on this spectrum. You're always going to have those skeptics and, and skeptics are important for humanity. Like you like those people who, who like go down into the weeds and figure things out. They, we need them in, in humanity. But in public health, when you have, you know, more than, a, you know, half a million people who've died, even more people who are going to have lifelong disability, now children are affected that personal responsibility mindset that also translates into I am not going to take any risks. One, you're not taking into account the risk of the natural virus, which affects, I'm hearing from the front line, people in their 30s who are not making it, right? And it is, I mean, it's heartbreaking no matter what age that you have to communicate that to a patient or a family. But let's be honest, it's, it's especially heartbreaking at age 30. Right. So, so there's a there's a discounting of the risk of the actual virus. And then secondly, I mean, there was a time in America where we would actually join together and, and we did amazing things, sent somebody to the moon. You know, we, we've, we've accomplished such amazing things. And unfortunately, the fabric has been so disrupted of society that we're not willing to, to do something to protect our elderly neighbor anymore. And personally, I find that utterly heartbreaking. But but I, I don't think that I, I think what happens is I don't think that people I, I think that I, I I would attribute different motives. Okay. I don't think the person who's, who's not taking it, I don't think they think they're doing harm to anybody. I think they either think it's their personal right not to take it or they think it's untested and they're unclear of how it's going to turn out. I don't think Fair. they do it because they don't view it as they're like, I don't, I don't view it as malicious. I view it as Correct. not, not thoughtful, but I don't view it as malicious. I really don't attribute no, maliciousness right. to it. And, and, yeah, and I wouldn't attribute right. just like I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute to a black or white person. You could parse through a million different motives. I don't think it's malice on the part of the black person, the minority person to not take it. I don't think it's malice on the part of the, you know, Republican white person not to take it. I think there's, I mean, not that, not that black people aren't Republicans and Democrats and white people aren't Republicans <laughs> sure. and Democrats. I mean, I mean, there, there's a huge amount of like of narrative in the media. Oh, it's, it's some white Southerners not taking it or, or just dumb. And it's not really true. There's different thoughts. There's different sort of like this culture of don't tread on me. There's those kinds of cultures, those cultures in the minority communities and we don't trust the government. I don't think I don't attribute to either one of them any of these communities malice. I could I attribute it to, uh, on one hand, a distrust of government. On the other hand, a distrust of government. On the other hand, also this concept of don't tread on me. I mean, there's multiple different things that are driving it. I, I think wrong. I think wrong decisions being made not to take it. And I think it, it, at some point, you do see different governments pushing through and employers pushing through a harder core on these mandates. Uh, and that will push a certain additional percentage to take it, and, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, it just it's it's really a fascinating, fascinating subject, Dr. Nail. It really it is. is. I, I think. Yeah, and I'll just it, I'll, I'll agree with you uh, uh, what you just said. I mean, it is. I think you know this is just so close to my heart in terms of you know children are going back to school. You're hearing of school teachers who are passing away, and you're right. It isn't malice. Uh, it is, but I and there is a genuine well, people it, are genuinely skeptical. But I, I think, I, I think they're genuinely skeptical. If I, if I blame anybody, like, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on this. I, I saw the South Dakota governor speak the other day, and she spoke for, you know, 10 minutes on personal freedom and not mandates and those kinds of things. 
And then she said at the very end of the discussion, but everybody should get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. Everybody else should get vaccinated. And, and, and I don't disagree with their personal freedom mandate and the anti-mandate. I don't agree or disagree. What I did dislike about the discussion was I so wish you would have started with, I, I wish you would have started with, I got vaccinated. I encourage you all to get vaccinated. We should all get vaccinated. Exactly. Now, I believe in exactly. personal freedom and then close with you all get vaccinated. But it's sort of like, it, it's sort of, what, what I do dislike is whether on the left or right playing to the political crowd rather than starting with, look, I'm an intelligent woman. I'm the governor of South Dakota. I'm very bright. I got vaccinated. I think you should all get vaccinated. I'm not going to force you to, but I think you all should. And, and sure. rather than playing 90% to personal freedom, not mandates, something like that. But, but of course, I mean, she finished and closed with, of course I got vaccinated. What am I, I'm not crazy? Of course I got vaccinated. And so I think, like, I don't attribute, I, I attribute some, I, I don't like the politicians gaming this or playing to their political crowd. I don't attribute in the individual doesn't get vaccinated malice towards or not caring about the elderly, not caring about the family members. I think a lot of it's anecdotal. The sooner they see more people in their own community getting really sick, the more likely they are to say, oh, maybe I should get vaccinated. Then it's become this crazy point of pride not to get vaccinated in some communities, and that's crazy too. And to to your point, I think part of the issue is that because when people do get COVID or when they get, uh, whether it's to quarantine at home or whether it is in the hospital, we aren't allowing visitors in the hospital, right? And and you quarantine alone, so actually it's not seen, right? And or, and so that that lack of human connection is, I think. I mean, I think that that's essentially, I think, what I was trying to say. There's like been a, a you know, the social fabric. I think in America is is a little, is disrupted. I do think that's true. I think we need to find ways as a country to trust each other again broadly. I think specifically in the pandemic, we have gotten cut off from each other. We are all online. We are all on Zoom. There is evidence that Zoom gives you paranoia. It causes you to distrust. And we're getting our information online. Algorithms uh, reward the, the most clicks. The most clicks happen on the most outrageous memes and ridiculous things. And so we get constantly exposed to misinformation. Uh, rather than having this kind of conversation. I mean, you and I probably disagree on bajillions of things, right? But we can still have this conversation. Probably, probably actually, uh, Dr. Nail, I would say a very small percent of things, but yeah, on some <laughs> for sure. I would say it's probably, a, I, would, I would guess that it's actually a very, very small percentage of things, but 100%. Okay, percent. And the big I, was trying, think, yeah. I was trying to. <laughs> no, 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 but I, think, but I think you're right. Well, clearly we have a communication problem in, in, our, in our country, and, and there's a problem if you're a, if you're a, left winger, you turn on Fox for one second, you turn it off. If you're a right winger, you turn on CNN for one second, you turn it off. And, and, and rightfully so, because each station is so full of narrative from their own side that nothing is, is just informative news anymore. Everything starts with, it's like this, this, this governor thing. Everything starts with bashing the other side before she gets to the core talking point that really counts. Of course I got vaccinated. We should all get vaccinated. And, and that's how both of the networks are. They just start with like bashing their side without any sort of discussion of anything down the middle at all. So it leads to just fervent distrust. If there's a Biden administration in power, you got a certain amount of people that just won't trust anything they do. When Trump was pushing Operation Warp Speed in the vaccines, you had CNN saying, oh, it's too quick. We can't do a vaccine. It took 20 years to do one. We've never did one for exactly. cancer, something like that. And you, 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 yeah, it's so odd, though, because the administration that actually could claim the success of the vaccine 
it's it's I, I that that to me is I, I would love to analyze what happened there because the you know the physicians who um, were in that administration had very strong t religious ties as well to religious groups and so I'm I, as a physician who myself is faithful and and has conversations within my faith community I'm really curious like what was the barrier there how is it that scientists who also had faith were what what did we need to do better to better communicate and bring people along when when you are actually in power? Um, so that, I mean, one of the, one of the things that's happened too is like you can't you have no ability. For example, if you want to look at this from multiple different sides, you you have no ability for Senator Biden to go to the southern states and say, look, a lot of credit for this vaccine movement so quickly is due to Operation Warp Speed done under my predecessor, right. but 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 he would get killed on CNN and the and the and the, right. the more liberal narrative stations by saying anything like that. But but that would be a way to reach across party lines. And so what you get instead of is you get instead you get all kinds of people criticizing everybody who's not doing this, even though they should do it. But our but our politicians do us no favors on it, I think. On, on either and, side. You know, and I will and I will add to that as somebody who is a physician who has probably too many letters after my name, who has been in academia, I also I frankly also think that academia needs to take credit. There is a very justified uh, distrust of, you know, sort of the, the, the egotistical, out of touch, ivory towered uh, person. And I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for my colleagues who are brilliant and come up with these innovations. But at the same time, uh, there has been an increasing gap between, I think, scientists and how they communicate and whether they really engage the public as well as there's a the way academia works you get rewarded if you're first or last author and if you collaborate there's not really an incentive for that so i've even seen for instance like in women's health like a, a woman who had a um an online survey around tell me about your your side effects but i was deeply concerned that this is you know yes we need to get information and, you know, who had communicated her study to the to the public before even ethics review had happened. And, and I think that even in academia, what you're describing in politics, this rush to the media and get your name out there and get credit for the work that you're doing sometimes is faster than the thoughtful consideration as to, like, thinking about the impact of, on, of this on policy, on trust, on potential for miscommunication. So, I, I mean, I think overall... There, that we just somehow need to have more conversations, I, I think, and be able to get past these these labels, whether it's by party, whether it's by whatever. I think we just need to figure out how to have conversations. Could not agree more. It could not agree more. Dr. Nahal, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I want to thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It is always great to visit with you. And, and, and I would uh, guess that we agree on at least 93 to 98% <laughs> of all issues. Thank you for joining I, I, us. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.